Ghost Ship Radio Network. Sail onward. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 23 of the Adjacent Hex podcast. My name is Zach. And putting his party hat back in the closet is Doug. How's it going, man? It is going very well. It's been a while since we've got to record an episode. But talking about that party hat, I had a I had a couple of weddings to attend. One of which was... Oh, I can't remember the first one I went to in November. Hmm. Uh, do you happen to recall? Uh, well, I, I mean, it might have been mine. It may have been yours. Yes, that's the one. Because I was in that one. You yeah. sure were. You were. <laughs> you, you sure were in that wedding. So this is our our first recording since Zach officially tied the knot. Congratulations to him. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. It was an awesome time in beautiful Burlington, Vermont. Uh, great venue, great ceremony. Everything was awesome. Thanks. Uh, let's see what else. Oh yeah, the weekend after that, I had another wedding down in Atlanta, then I had three Thanksgiving holiday parties, a couple of breaks, driving home for Christmas and slash New Year's. I ended up not making it home for Christmas because of the weather, Mm. but it has been a wild ride for two months. Sure uh, has. I'm I'm ready to put my party hat back in the closet. How about you? What have you been up to? I'm avoiding the cold, really. I mean, besides marriage. Well, okay, there's that. The um, it's it's just been brutally cold here the last couple. Of oh yeah, week. absolutely. Minus four right now, I think. Yeah, and that that's that's before wind chill. We're right. supposed to get minus thirty here in New Hampshire today. Exactly, it's it's nuts, and I, I so. personally think that's just good excuse to hunker down and you know finish polyurethaning a board game table because that's what you do <laughs> in the cold weather. That is what you do in the cold weather. Uh, and you just finished your game table, right? I did, yeah. Uh, over New Year's, um, Alex and Kyle came over a couple days before New Year's, and we hauled, we ripped the table all apart, uh, dragged it down to the basement, turned the basement into a wind tunnel, and then <laughs> a very cold wind tunnel. Uh, wrapped ourselves up in every blanket and jacket we could while still maintaining some semblance of uh, hand motion ability, and polyurethaned <laughs> the crap out of that table and it uh and we surfaced it with the uh adhesive foam and we played arkham horror on it and it was great nice nice yeah i was gonna you invited me to that but because of the weather i ended up going home for new year's and not christmas Hmm. so i haven't seen the table yet but you did show me uh, a picture over skype uh looks pretty amazing yeah i'm really excited about it that'll be fun i can't wait to play a game on it yeah you gotta you gotta get over here as soon as you can yes sir so what have you been playing like anything good Speaking of games, yeah, let's get into, uh, I just want to talk on this real quick. I actually played this before the Halloween episode and for some reason forgot forgot to bring it up, but I got to play another game of Ten Candles. Oh yeah, you like that one. I still haven't played that. I've only done the two games. Mm-hmm. It's not one, it takes a lot of setup. It's, uh, it's not one you, well, I don't know if it does actually. We could play it. We should play it. We should play it sometime. We should. Uh, so the really interesting thing happened though was I was playing for a very different group mm-hmm. uh, who asked me after hearing our review, and they asked me to run a game for them. And I did the same scenario. So the one 
in in the book that they give you. Yep, yep. But it went completely different, oh. as was expected in RPGs. But I don't know if you remembered how I added a uh, mechanic the first time I did it, where if you rolled a die, a die, and if you rolled a one, I would destroy an item from your backpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way the game's set up, we've gone over this before, but the person to the right of the GM gets to create a characteristic of the monsters in the game. Uh-huh. Well, the person to the right of me uh, runs one of the wings at the hospital in Manchester. Really sharp guy. And the thing he came up with was something like, I wish I had the card, but it was something to the effect that they tell lies and sow discord within the group. Huh. Which, as a GM, is much more difficult to work in right, right. than they have sharp teeth. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? That's, yeah. So, right away I was kind of surprised by that. And I was thinking and thinking. But early on I came up with the idea. I added another mechanic to the game. And what I did was I would write things on index cards Mm -hmm. and when people went in the dark the creatures i would have them whisper something in the person's ear and i would pass a note to that person so how that ended up working was say we were they came across an npc character who had like a backpack full of gear and a rifle and that person could be somebody they could have trusted completely well one person might get a note that says you can't trust this person Somebody else might get a note that says, you know, you can, or don't believe his lies, or he's after something. So what ended up happening was all these people would get notes that the rest of the group wasn't privy to, and they would have this little piece of information. But the thing was, it didn't have to be true. So if they said you can't trust this person, maybe you absolutely could, maybe you absolutely couldn't, but the players wouldn't know and they wouldn't know what information the other players had and uh that ended up being a real big hit i had i had two of the players at the table say it was the best single shot rpg they've played and one of their favorite games that's awesome so yeah it ended up going really really well uh just slipping people these notes with little pieces of information that the rest of the group didn't necessarily have so it's interesting that you did it that way, and it's interesting that you came to that solution, because that's actually a fairly standardized mechanic in Call of Cthulhu, the RPG. Mm. Um, yeah, I could the, see that. The module that we played over the summer, it gives you a bunch of printouts, and you can go online and make copies of them. Uh, and you cut them up, and if a player finds some specific piece of evidence, you literally hand them that piece of evidence, and they that can choose to share it or not, and it can be right, relevant right. or not. And uh, so that's it's it's really cool that you came to that same conclusion that uh, Chaosium did. As well, as much as people roleplay and can do a good job of that, you can actually sow real mistrust within the group mm-hmm. when they don't have that information. So right, rather right. than saying it out loud or risk it being overheard, I just started slipping people notes. And sometimes, you know, like I don't, you could see the conflict starting to arise within the group just when it came to making basic decisions yeah uh it was it was uh really interesting it was really interesting but again that is a game where if you aren't good on your feet or a good storyteller or uncomfortable doing it 10 candles is is really tough because that could have um, backed me into a corner relatively easily absolutely so um how about you what do you play so 
there's been a couple for me, um, and I'll start. I'll, I will also start with a, a simple one. Um, you know, you, you mentioned one that we've we've talked about a, a couple times on the show, so it's simple for audience members. But I happened to be at the school, and I had I had uh, lunch duty one day, and the kids seemed to finish their. It was Friday, so their their pizza ridiculously early. So I was like, all right, we got to find a way to keep them entertained for the next 20 minutes. I reach into my pocket and I happen to have a copy of Angry Dice that I picked up off the floor at Gen Con and uh, <laughs> our friend Craig said I could keep. And I was like, all right, this this is probably the easiest game in the world. It's it, Each player gets 2d6 and the three has a, a, a grouchy looking face on it. And you roll them as quickly as you can to try and get a combination of one and two, a com- that followed by a combination of angry and four, and it, and then concluded by a combination of five and six. And you can, like in Yahtzee, you can hold one die and you know try for the other one if if you need to. And if you ever get double angry, you sent you're sent back to start. We have gotten so many games of angry dice in over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> like and the, the the kids dig it. It's the silliest, simplest game in the world. Uh, kudos to uh, Daryl Louder, Chris Kirkman, and the Dice Hate Me guys for that. And we've added a little bit of complexity. Like if you if you roll sloppy and the, one of the dice goes off the table, you have to pick up and start again at, at phase one. You know if if we've we've added for for more advanced play. If you angry out, if you get the double angry, your opponent has to catch you. Otherwise, you don't have to start back at at phase one. Oh, so you kind of got to keep one eye on what the other person's doing. Exactly. So it adds a little bit of complexity to it. And the kids ask me every single day. Do you have the angry dice with you? I'm like, just go up to the math room and get 4d6. It's not that big a deal. Like, you don't need the actual angry dice to play it. Yeah, but they do add something. That, that dice is a fun... I have one of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the full game, yeah. which is two dice. Oh, well, it's, uh, it's four total, but... You always... Yeah, because yeah, each you player You and two. I... Where did we... Didn't we play that recently? Was it at your wedding? Oh, probably. Yeah, I think it, I think it might have been. Maybe killing time beforehand, because you and I played a game somewhere. Yeah, we definitely did. And it's yeah. it's just because it it sits in my pants pocket. It's it's a little baggy with four d six in it, and that's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah, and the the rules are like on one little sheet of paper. Yeah, it's like a little. It's not. I I would say it's not even a full size card. No, definitely. Yeah, it's just a tiny little thing. It's so so ridiculously simple and wonderful, and in a way whimsical. Like it just strips every major complexity out of the game. And brings you back to a raw, dice-chucking, goofy thing. Yeah, that is the thing. It's goofy. It's just, you get giddy with it because it's just this goofy little race. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, not the most amazing in-depth game. You're just rolling dice trying to get numbers first. But just the speed of it, it's fun. It's it a fun little game. You can clearly see how it influenced uh, the creation of Bottom of the Ninth. Because you still have that dice-racing mechanic. Did that come out before... Uh, yeah, Angry Dice uh, was very early because it was par- it was used in part of a promo for Viva Java Dice. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and oh, then, okay. So Bottom right, of the yep. is a little more recent, but um, that's true. But okay. uh, yeah, I, I've just been loving Angry Dice. <laughs> that's a fun little game. How much does that retail for? Five bucks? It's like five dollars on the uh, Greater yeah. Than Game Store. It's like everybody should have a, a set of Angry Dice. Everybody should have a set of angry dice. And, and if not, just carry around 4d6, because you never know when you might just need to kill 30 seconds. Yeah, I think that's all our game took, right? Didn't we play like two or three games and oh, the yeah. whole thing took five minutes? Yeah, it was it was super fast and uh, and just over with. And it cleans up in no time. There's, there's literally no downside to carrying around 4d6. Yeah. I also got to finally play uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Card Game. And what'd you think of it? I am so impressed with, again, the simplicity of that game. Well, it's still, I mean, there's there's 
amazing artwork from the books there i think there may even be some new artwork from brian lee o'malley um that that's just not really seen the light of day what makes this what sets this game apart from things like star realms or uh dominion which are other deck building games is the cards have two sides they're they're double-faced cards and depending on the phase of the game one side is relevant or the other is, is relevant it doesn't matter if you see one side or the other. It's completely it, because they don't if they don't impact each other. What the objective is is to uh, get your life together. You would think from Scott Pilgrim, especially if you've seen the movie, uh, that it's to defeat the seven evil exes. That's really playing second fiddle in this game. Okay. Because if you read the comic books, the the purpose of or the 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 plot line with the seven evil exes is second to getting his life together, getting a job, finding an apartment. Getting, you know, ha- having some help from your friends, having some help from your family members. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the movie, too. Yeah. I, I mean, which obviously is based on the comic, but that whole Scott earns the power of self-respect exactly. at the end of the movie. And is you like can the big, get uh, the, yeah. the power of self-respect, the sword that he picks up, is a card in the game. And it, it does feel like, okay, when you're in combat with something, yes, it's a sword. It does all kinds of damage. It increases mm-hmm. your, your combo ability, but you spend a lot more time using that power of self-respect to do things like get a job or um, you know pay off a debt or help someone out. There are, I believe, four different phases of the game. Um, one is, as with any deck building game, an acquisition phase where you have some mm-hmm. number of influence that you can spend to get various ca- cards that will either you know give you you know increase your ability to combo in an attack or gain some victory points or whatever it happens to do uh and then you move into a combat phase which is optional you don't have to do combat but if you see something in the in the plot line that like oh there's some robots over there they only have four hit points all i have to do is discard four cards and i win but there's also your opponents sort of hinder you by getting what's called a drama draw (laughs) and uh they draw through their deck and the drama cards are kind of like duds. Most characters don't really want them, Scott and Knives being exceptions because they kind of thrive on drama. Okay. But every time your opponent draws a drama card in their drama draw, the difficulty of the combat or the check gets harder. Okay, so it's not just the dud, but it actually can hinder your opponent. Yes, so you have to manage whether or not to keep drama in your deck to hinder your opponent or get rid of drama because it's a dead draw for you when you're either mm. drawing for resources or drawing for combat. Okay. Um, and it's it's just a clever little game. I've played it twice now. I've played once as Wallace and once as Scott. And, uh, you know, the, but the characters really feel like as they should. I mean, Wallace, he is the confidant. He is the voice of reason. One of the other players at the table becomes his, like, his his best friend forever kind of thing. Okay. And you, you give them a, a power-up that sits in their power-up zone that says you are wallace's best friend and wallace will talk to you in certain situations and so when wallace does an ability he'll say all right does my best friend have drama in their hand right now if they do my ability gets better because he thrives on other people's drama ah okay um whereas scott for example if if he if you can match a drama card to one of his attacks his attack gets stronger so you basically discard a drama with that card and his attack gets more powerful. And each character has, um, because Scott Pilgrim, the universe, uh, sort of everybody is a video game character, mm-hmm. you have different combos you can do, like, you know, up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. That's the Konami code. 50 lives. Yeah, right. But, like, A, B, up. Each card has a has a button on it. And if you discard A, B, up, you get, th- you know, maybe five damage instead of your regular three okay so combo bonus yeah a little combo bonus and it feels like playing you know street fighter or something like that i would like to try that i saw a review 
and I think Tom Vassell gave it like a four or four and a half. And one of the things he said was he wasn't really big on the theme because it was more the comic than the movie. And he even kind of owned up to this that I don't I don't know. I don't remember the review now, but I don't remember if he tried to dismiss that or if he owned up to it because it could be either one and those are two very different things yeah but i know like for a fact when claustrophobia come came out the year it came out that was on almost everybody's top 10 games of the year list and he gave it i think a five out of ten because he didn't like the theme Mm -hmm. so i like scott pilgrim i would really like to try this game at some point but he didn't seem to like it. I, I don't know what his problem was. Um, but it is a game that I would like to get to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the reason I bring up Tom Vassell's thing is if you if you saw that and you saw that it had like a four or a five, it might turn you off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, not me. I want to try it. <laughs> I want to try it real bad. Yeah, it's, so. it's a fast one. And, uh, yeah. And- and you do you I mean you do get to fight the evil exes they are there right, uh, right. And that includes uh, Envy Adams and Julie Powers oddly because Steven Stills is a playable character so you actually get to ah. fight his evil ex <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing that with your mouth <laughs> never mind <laughs> I love that movie uh, Jesse got sick of that movie because we had like a few, this was back when it was on HBO so maybe seven years ago yeah six seven years ago um that and Half-Blood Prince were sort of all that was on TV. Oh, yeah. And I must have watched both of them a dozen times each. Oh, yeah. I mean, Katie and I just watched Scott Pilgrim again last night. It's, it's yeah. so much fun. Even when even when Jesse will like go to Detroit or L.A. for work or something, I'll throw Scott Pilgrim on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, although the last time it was on and she saw it, she did say she forgot how much she actually enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Because I, that's a great movie. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a movie review thing. This is a <laughs> game review thing. Sort of reviews. Game experiences. Reviews. Game experiences. Game experiences. Uh, so you were... I just want to bring this back around before I lose track. Uh, but you were talking about Angry Dice. Mm-hmm. And you just keep a copy in your pocket. Uh, I sort of do that. There's this game called Onirim or yep. Onirim. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever seen it. Okay. So it's a solitaire card game that you can buy for $23, uh-huh. which is a relatively reasonable price. Yeah, for cards. Or you can download the app for free. Oh, there you go. So I have the free downloaded app, uh, which is actually nice because on the app, this isn't a problem at all because the game does it for you, but there is an awful lot of card shuffling in this game. Oh, uh, okay. So basically, it's a solitary card game. You're in a dream in like a labyrinth. And you are trying to escape the dream before these ghouls get you. And the way you lose the game is if you run out of cards or... No, I think that's it. If you can't complete the game, that's how you lose. Uh, So there's these ghouls that come out and they make you discard cards. And you can discard your hand or you can discard the top five cards of your deck blindly. Or you can use a key, which is a specific type of card, and block the ghoul. Huh. So there's there's different things you can do. Uh, so what you're trying to do is get three in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, or three of the same color. It's a set collection type game. So you've got red, blue, green, and brown. And okay. you're trying to get... There are sun cards, moon cards, and key cards. Uh, the sun cards and moon cards are exactly the same, except for a different symbol. Uh, basically, you can't play two of the same symbol in a row. So to unlock a door, there's two ways to do that. One, you can play three cards of the same color in a row. So I could play 
Sun Moon Sun or Moon Sun Moon or Sun Key Moon, any combination thereof. And if I can get three in a row, I unlock a door. Okay. Uh, the other way to do it is if you have a key in your hand of a color and you draw a door. Because the doors you're unlocking are in the game or in your deck. Okay. So I could have a green key, I play a card, and when I draw that green door, I can choose to unlock that door immediately. And that's helped me reach my objective. Um, but the other thing you can do with a key is you can discard it, and it lets you see the top five cards in your draw pile and rearrange them in any order. Huh. And the other thing you do is it's kind of a gamble. The fifth card is automatically discarded. Now you get to choose what that is. And you can use it as a weapon to get rid of those ghosts that make you get rid of your hand. Okay. But if there aren't any ghosts in the top five, you're going to lose a card that you could use. Huh. So it's it's really interesting. Uh, you're trying to unlock all eight doors before you run out of cards. And that's a game I just pull up on my phone because most games take me about three minutes. Nice. Three to five oh, nice. minutes. But if you were playing that for real, every time you unlock a door... You shuffle the deck. Mm -hmm. Every time you pull up a door card, it goes to a separate pile. You draw again so you have a full hand of five cards. Then you shuffle that door back into your deck. Oh. So you are constantly shuffling the cards. And that was actually one of the big reasons I chose the app after doing a little research instead of uh, purchasing the game. Not only did I save the 20 bucks, but... That's a lot. I don't, I don't think you could play this game in three minutes just because of the setup. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It can be a little frustrating because sometimes those ghouls come out and just destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got a, a, a great hand and you're ready to score points and it comes out and you have to discard your hand. Then you drop a new hand. Then a ghost comes out. You don't have a key. You have to discard your hand again. Yeah. And it just feels... Like, uh, I've got a little... The, the app keeps track of your win percentage. Mine's a little over 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably get better, maybe, hopefully. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. Uh, one thing, though, is you, you tend to... You have to unlock the eight doors. Yeah. I tend to get five, six, or seven, even when I lose. Huh, okay. Because the game has a way of kind of... I say it can be frustrating, but it also has a way of kind of balancing itself out. Um, and, and sometimes it is just the luck of the draw, but a really poorly timed ghoul can ruin your whole day. Yeah. And other times you're just landing the combos you need and life is great. So, uh, that's Onirim. Uh, it's a free app. You can throw it on your phone, give it a try. And I would definitely recommend it. Speaking of landing the combos you need or not. <laughs> um, I had a couple of other games uh, that I that I played this month. Uh, one I've already talked about, so I'm just going to go over it quickly. It's Raxon, uh, the Dead of Winter spinoff, mm, mm -hmm. um, or prequel, or however you want to look at it. I finally played that with with four or with three other humans, and we got down to the last. I'd be playing break. games with humans. Well, well I, I mean, as opposed to just playing <laughs> solitaire, um, yeah. we got down to literally the last draw. And lost. 
Ah, oh, that's was so harsh. But so frustrating. But like for the whole game, we we were able to identify that the first turn we didn't press our luck quite enough. Mm. We should have kept going. Many of us didn't have all that many action tokens on our tiles. So we could have added more. We probably could have saved more people. So if you'd been a little more aggressive in the beginning, you think? Yeah. And I think okay. part of the problem is trying to teach that game and trying to teach that press your luck mentality right. is very difficult. Like once you once your players start realizing, oh, oh, we're causing problems. Every time we take an action, we're causing new problems. Oh, then you become a little hesitant to take act. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, let's let's just accelerate this to the end phase. Let's clean this up. Let's let's move on to phase two or to day two. So that was really interesting. And I think the same group of people would play again and be more willing to press our luck a little harder. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. And I think, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, lessons learned on this show all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time I show that game off, I'm going to emphasize press your luck hard. The first couple of turns, the worst thing that could happen is not that bad. Yeah, but that's good. That's good advice, and that's something that comes with learning the game. Yeah, you kind of got to play it a few times to get that feeling. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's still one I I haven't tried that I would like to. Yeah, we'll get that to the table. It's it's a very quick game, not a whole lot of components, and uh, and very fun. The other one, however, is Spirit Island. Spirit Island. Oh, before you talk about Spirit Island, I have a funny story about that game. Sure. So uh, PAX Unplugged happened in Philadelphia in November. Yep, and we were not there. I was down at the wedding in um, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. but I was talking to my buddy Tom, who I've mentioned on the show before, because he was there, and he was actually in the Greater Than Games booth thinking about buying Spirit Island. At the same time, I was talking to Tara, who was working the cash register in the Greater Than Games booth. Yep. And so I'm talking to Tom and I'm talking to Tara about these, both about Spirit Island, but separate conversations. <laughs> it, at the same time, Tom is in line and makes a purchase of Spirit Island. I mean, what a crazy small world that is. I was actually talking to both of them at the same time they were talking to each other and they've never met before in Philadelphia. That's crazy. And it was just this weird little, I don't know, just sort of those... Those things that happen, and you're like, huh. I, I was saying, yeah, my friend, I think, is working the cash register. He's like, oh, I think I was actually just talking to her. <laughs> and then I said, yeah, I think my buddy Tom was just in line, and I described what he looked like. He's like, yeah, he just bought that game. <laughs> it was just this weird, I don't know, I mean, one of those things. Not going to lie, obviously, you know, we, we do a lot of work for, for Greater Than Games. We were, we were mm-hmm. definitely... Uh, I, I was definitely hit up to, to go to Unplugged, but being that it was the yeah. weekend after my wedding, I was like, yeah, Craig, yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I, I was in Atlanta, so. Yeah, but, uh, you know, of course, we would have liked to be there. You know, it's always yeah. fun. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I heard good things. I heard good things. Tom actually got me a program from it mm-hmm. so that next time I see him, I'll be able to just kind of glance over. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, I, I picked up my copy of Spirit Island uh, at Gen Con. And, you know, brought it home and it sat on my shelf for a while and must have been right around Thanksgiving time. Uh, the D&D group decided to take a week off and I was like, well, I'm not going to take a week off. I'll be in because I had some work to do at the store. And I was like, I will run a demo with Spirit Island if anybody is interested. So I, you know, worked through some of the pickier details of Spirit Island. So I was able to show it off. The problem was we got slaughtered. 
Yeah, I've heard that's a pretty difficult game. You know, the mechanics of the game has been, have been explained to me time and time again, and I just we just felt like we were behind the whole game. And, I mean, going back through play-by-play, play, my friend Jared and I could not identify what we were doing wrong. And so immediately after the game, I, I texted at least one contact at Greater Than Games. I'm like, okay, next time I see you, I want to play Spirit Island and I want to know what I'm doing wrong because the game is insanely fun. It's, for those who aren't aware, it's basically the anti-Catan. <laughs> basically, instead of trying to settle an, an as-yet-uninhabited island, you are the gods of the island and the natives who you know were born and raised there trying to prevent the arrival of the settlers. Um, and it's it's a beautiful game. Our friend Nolan did some of the art oh, for gorgeous. it. Oh, it's gorgeous. And yeah. it's it's yeah. it's amazing. It's really cool. I'm very proud to own it. Um, but I just like we were playing on the easiest of the easy modes, and we got demolished. And I was like, okay, I need to hit the brakes on this game. I love it. It's going to be great. But I need to know, like, where's what what strategy am I missing to make right. this more plausible as as a as a winnable game. Um, so I definitely look forward to playing that again. Well, I I didn't know that you owned it mm-hmm. actually, and I asked Tom to bring it up next time he visited. But I would that is a game I is in my top five right now of want to get to the table. So yeah. if you want to try it again, if you're willing to oh, to get stomped before you get shown the secrets of the of the game, yeah, no, anytime uh, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to try it. It it is a tremendous game, and uh, you know, anytime. So it's co- it's cooperative. It too. is cooperative. I'm not sure yep. if you mentioned that. Yep. Yeah, and it's also got. I th- have we mentioned this before? One of the greatest components, I think. Which one? Of any board game. So the cities have hit points. Oh right, yes, the city. You can track yeah. the city's hit points based on which side is facing up. Yeah, because you flip it over. So, like, the city has three hit points, three buildings are pointing up. When it takes damage, you flip it to its side, so two buildings are pointing up. Yep. And then one, one, and then zero, you take it off. Yeah. And I think we've mentioned that component before. We may have. I just remember Paul being insanely excited about that. That's just such a cool... That's such a cool component. Yeah. And I... I don't know. I think it's... I still think it's cool. I, I think my, my fondest memory of that game is, that, like, it was around like we it was at the booth for a couple of years at least before we actually got to play it and i remember paul just like hauling us aside at pax east last mm-hmm. year and be like okay russ i'm borrowing these two people right now they are learning spirit island because i'm so super excited about it and he talks at like 90 miles an hour he really does <laughs> and i watch i watched a lot of gameplay even when i was off the clock there just because the game seemed interesting to me yeah and that's one of those games i almost backed on kickstarter yeah, and I, then I've almost bought a bunch of times, and I just I never pulled the trigger. But now you've got it, Tom's got it. I might, I might. It's just so such good looking a game, and it's I, I like the co op game experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm still thinking about it, but I really, I really want to play it. Yeah, I really want to play it. Uh, it just looks amazing. And speaking of co ops, you've got a couple more on your list. It looks like. Okay. Yeah. So I I don't want to. Well, we've talked about Forbidden Island. Yes. On on the show before. Have we ever talked about Tiny Epic Defenders? Have we ever talked about Tiny Epic Defenders? Well, in detail. <laughs> so, because uh, I know we talk about them a lot. Uh, Michael Cohen Co. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened was a friend of ours is from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bright guy. He's an attorney. 
um, but he's working with Jesse uh, up in Laconia, mm-hmm. and he's here for three years, I think, and he doesn't have any friends or family in the area. Right. So when they had the factory shut down, he didn't really have a lot to do yep. over Christmas break. Yep. Uh, so we invited him over for games. Sure. Uh, Jesse asked him if he played games before, and he had actually purchased a copy of Settlers of Catan in Japan and played with his cousin a few times. Uh-huh. So he had, you know, dipped his toe in the hobby gaming world. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but we, we had him over and I didn't know what to teach him because he speaks English very, very well, yep. but there are still words he doesn't know. He's not that familiar with a lot of mechanics. So uh-huh. I would have to teach and I was looking for something. Plus we've got the baby. So Jesse, I wanted something she could play, but kind of dip in and out. And we ended up, I ended up deciding I was looking for simple rule sets with good gameplay and co-op games. And we ended up playing Forbidden Island and Tiny Epic Defenders. Nice. Good choices. Uh, yeah. He loved Forbidden Island. Uh, he took a picture of it so he could pick up a copy. Uh, I told him uh, we'll play some Forbidden Desert. And I also told him next time we do more uh, competitive stuff, I'd invite him over Yeah, <laughs> so he could, he could play. Um, but Forbidden Island, we've talked about a bunch. We played a game just on the regular level, and we just had really tough draws. And we ended up winning... But the game was way closer than I thought a normal game of Forbidden Island should have been. And if we had been playing on a more difficult level, there's a good chance we would have lost. Huh. Uh, we we for sure would have lost on the highest level. We may have lost on the uh, next highest level. So it was, it was real close, but uh, good game. Like I said, he took a picture of it. Uh, Tiny Epic Defenders, we ended up slaughtering. We... And we played a medium game, so two monsters. So essentially, I'm not sure if we've talked about it, so real quick, the middle of the board is the castle, and that's what you're defending. Then there are six realms around the outer edge of that castle, and you are defending those realms from attacks. And all the players that you play as have it's a- asymmetrical play- player powers. And essentially, you're trying to defend those outer realms because they take a certain amount of damage. And you can both prevent that damage and heal that damage. But if they ever get destroyed, that damage then goes to the castle. And the castle, I think there's only one or two ways to heal it. The general rule is the castle doesn't get healed. And if the castle ever loses all its hit points, you lose the game. So, um, but we ended up drawing blindly. And we had just the best team. We had, I ended up with the goblin, who's the assassin, who can take a card that attacks an area and put it under his card to be shuffled back in at the end of the round, but you act like that card wasn't drawn. And it can be used against dire foes. Right. So, like, one of our dire foes wouldn't allow us to use the outer realm powers, which every every area you go to also has a power in the game. And then we had the cleric, who could heal which was great because we had the ruins, which said you had to to, uh, take damage to uh, heal up that area. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he could heal up the area and then heal himself. Uh, We had the bard who could use the different actions of adjacent areas. And then we had the, who do we have? The necromancer 
who didn't get into play much, but we had the planes, which allowed him to defend Mm -hmm. the two other areas. And our team just, we absolutely slaughtered. We had a couple of relics that came out that helped us beat the end boss. Mm -hmm. And rarely do you destroy that game as well as we did. (laughs) We just had the perfect layout of the map. We had the perfect uh, team that just worked together so well. It was really, really good. Uh, despite some some rough going in the beginning, a lot of fun. We did good. Nice. So, but yeah. So it was, and ended up being two games I could teach relatively easily. That we could get to the table. We got the games in. They they may have taken a little longer, but a lot of fun. We had a we had a good time. Yeah. Nice. And and you know, there's an expansion for Tiny Epic Defenders coming out this year too. Yeah, I saw that. I haven't backed it. I haven't backed it. Um, but. Uh, I'll see. I might add it to my collection. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I backed it. I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to double check. But speaking of this year. This year. It's about high time we wrapped up 2017, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. All right. We'll do the same thing we did last year. Yep. Uh, because we're really uninventive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, why, why, re- why reinvent the wheel, right? Last year it was because we were lazy. This year it's because we have no creativity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> So we'll start off with your biggest surprise game or surprise of the year in the board gaming world. And you've got two things listed here. I do. So go ahead and do them both. So a couple of uh, Gen Cons ago, I was introduced to a product, and I've talked about this before, that I was like, okay, fine, it's behaving as expected, move on. Mm-hmm. And then at PAX the following year, our friend Russ said, all right, you're going to play this right now. And I was like, fine, whatever. I will finally play this game. And my mind was completely blown. It is the game Laser Riders. We've talked about it a bunch. (laughs) Laser Riders was unbelievably fun. And I'm not a Tron fan. Like, I've seen the movie. I enjoyed it. Great. Uh, Laser Riders blew my mind. I had absolutely a ball playing it every single time. And I believe you did too. Like, we played it at the bachelor party. And you, you seemed to like it as well. Yeah, I liked it a lot more... When we had four players. Oh, yeah. Two players was good, but four players was just so chaotic and fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, and my other one was, it is an older game, so it's not really from this year per se, but it is still uh, a game that surprised me beyond belief, was the $6 million man. Uh, I've played it three <laughs> or four times now, and every game is just as goofy, just as nostalgic, and an absolute blast. Yeah, I had more fun playing that than I expected to. Yeah. Uh, Is it a good game? game. No. But is it fun? Absolutely. What about you? My surprise is uh, a game I have talked about to death and I'm probably going to talk about again because apparently I might be getting some of it in January. Uh, Zombicide. Ah, of course. Um, Just a game I expected to enjoy. uh, But once I got my hands on it, I just wanted to play over and over again. Mm -hmm. I still haven't even got to the Wolfsburg expansion, which makes the game harder. Uh, pumped about that. No, I'm in on um, that one. Yeah, just just to get you haven't played Zombie. I still side, have not have played it. Well, we'll have to do a Zombie Side and uh, Spirit Island Day. Sounds good to me. A, a co-op day, but uh, yeah, I just I enjoyed it so much. How much I enjoyed it, it was my big surprise. Mm-hmm. A second one is a brand new game, Fallout, ah. which just came out in December, and so I didn't know this was coming out because between your wedding, the next wedding, Thanksgiving, I literally did not play a single board game from when we played last Friday, the Friday before Halloween, mm-hmm. until December. Huh. Until 
I got to play Forbidden Island Tiny Epic Defenders, and that was Christmas week. I went almost two months without playing board games, uh, just because I was so busy. I had the first weekend in November, and then I didn't really have any free time until this weekend. And we're in the first weekend of January. Yeah. Just so people know. So it is, I went a long time not playing a a lot of games, unfortunately. Yeah. But I did get to play, oh no, I got to play Fallout the weekend before I got to play Forbidden Island and Tiny Epic Defenders. Mm -hmm. Fallout is a game, I love Fallout, the video game series. You know this. I have Mm -hmm. a dog meat pin. Um, I bought a t-shirt at PAX. It's the only t-shirt I've ever bought at PAX. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I play the games. I just love Fallout. I love the worlds three and four, and I play some of the the one where you're building the shelter, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. So I found out Fallout was coming out as a board game five days before its release date. Wow, so you got lucky yeah, getting it then. Right in there, and then my I, it was actually pre-purchased for me for a Christmas gift. Okay. But I ended up getting it, and then I'm glad I did, because right after that, I was just looking online at something, and I noticed the price had spiked. It's got about a $60 uh, price tag. Mm-hmm. Got a pre, pre-purchase pre deal, so I played a little less than that, but the price had gone up between like 80 and $140. Yeah, it's actually sold out everywhere. Yeah. Like, we tried to get another copy in from our distributor, and they were like, nope. Well, I went online, and I'm looking on Amazon, and it said, we'll have them back in stock in April. Yep. Uh, so apparently I did get very lucky because I would have been sad to not have been able to play. I did get a game in. I personally love the game Mm -hmm. despite what happened. This is probably a topic for another day, but I wanted to interject. Like, Fantasy Flight is notorious for that. Like, they they will do an initial print run and it'll be nowhere near meeting demand. And then their Mm. next print run won't be for months. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big time, Christmas to April. We could talk about that at some point. Because they really need to get their act together. They've got a huge following, and uh, yeah. and I'm sure they're not the only ones. I'm sure we could do some research on that. I don't know what, what the print run was, but I am a little surprised that it sold out in its first week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard about that before. Like, what is it, Plaid Hat Games? Mice and Mystics was such a big hit that their original print run was only like 2,000 games. Yeah. And then they had sold out of the second print run through pre-orders before it was on the shelves. Mm-hmm. And they started a third print before the second print was released. Right, exactly. So things like that happen. So anyway, Fallout, it has some, just real brief on what happens, is there are four scenarios the games comes with. Mm-hmm. It, it says it's a little competitive, but it's not really. There are two factions in each scenario. And if one of the factions, these are NPCs. Yep reaches a certain point, everybody loses. So it's competitive in the sense that you don't want the game to end necessarily. But you can also use that as a weapon. Yep. If you don't have it a way to win, maybe you can force it to end so that nobody wins. Oh, there you go. Uh, I haven't seen that done yet, but it's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you pick one of five characters. You can pick a Vault Dweller, a Wastelander, a Super Mutant, a Ghoul, or a for- former... Um, Brotherhood of Steel member. Okay. And they have asymmetrical powers and starting gear and whatnot. And so you'll see things like in the first scenario, everybody starts at the vault. Yep. Then there's a bunch of upside down tiles that you have to encounter and reveal. So it's a mystery. The board's going to change every time. Then there's Diamond City. That's face up. You know where that is. And there were other stuff on the edge of the board. That was face up. Okay. So you're going through and... The way the game works is you're walking around, you're exploring, you're fighting monsters, you're collecting gear, 
And as you do the encounters, it works like a crossroads card oh, from okay. Dead of Winter. Yep. So you pull that card and you say, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but X, Y, and Z is happening. Do you A or B or C? Okay. I, I'm surprised at how prevalent that mechanic is these days. Well, depending on your choice, different things will happen. But sometimes, depending on other things that have happened to you in the game or what character you're playing, you won't have a choice at all. Uh-huh. The game will just force you into a thing. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but what it does is it kind of goes a step beyond mm-hmm. The crossroads, because the crossroads you read and then you shuffle back into the deck or you put it on the bottom of the deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Fallout, what it'll do is if you choose this, it will say, go into this deck and shuffle X, Y, and Z cards into it. Okay. So it's like a crossroads cards, but it expands the story. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's a really cool mechanic. I really enjoyed it. I can't talk about it tons because my experience wasn't a typical one. Okay. Let's go back in time when we had rule errors. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So I told you about this. So in a three-player game, I was playing a three-player game, you played on nine victory points. Mm -hmm. The gameplay is two to three hours long. That's the suggested on the box. Well, three hours into our game, the leader had two victory points, and the other two people had one. Okay. So we are far from reaching nine. I will give the game credit. I was never bored, despite playing it horribly. So what (laughs) ended up happening was, while I was setting the game up, I gave Corey the scenario card, and on one side are the two factions. On the other side is the map, so I had him build the map. But also on the back of that card was a little note that said, insert card 001, because we were just doing the first scenario, into the deck. Corey didn't see that or know about it. Being my first playthrough, I didn't know it was supposed to be there. And we played three hours without the card in the game. So... I kind of, we completely dropped the ball. So what ended up happening is I'm looking around because I know something's not right. All the reviews I've read talk about the stories and this and that. Mm -hmm. And it had come up a few times, but not nearly to the extent I was expecting. I see this card and then I added it into the game and then things just picked up. It was like so many things started happening at once because we were playing the game correctly, except that we weren't trying to get to Diamond City as fresh people with very limited skill sets right. and gear, we were doing the missions decked out because we had been leveling up for three hours. And then we just tore through things. Right. And we actually ended up all losing because Jess, I played with Corey and Jess, Jess ended up completing a mission that put one of the factions very close to, Vic, uh, to their max goal. Uh-huh. So everybody would lose. And then when we ran out of cards, we reshuffle those, but everybody moves up one. And Corey got to seven or eight points, but we just couldn't get there in the game and end up beating us. So a few things. One, even though we played wrong and we played for like four or five hours, I was engaged the whole time. Nice. So props to the game for that. Two, I need to get it to the table again and play for real yeah uh three it's a one to four player game and a lot of people are playing saying it plays extremely well as a solo play game okay i think solo games even though we talked about anirim today is a topic for another game or another episode because it is something i'd like to get into uh and then four i want to talk about the level up system yep 
So in Fallout the game, you've got the special. It's an acronym for all your different characteristics like strength, endurance, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. The game has a really interesting way of leveling up where you move these pegs when you do certain things up. But the more abilities you have, you move your peg when you're leveling up to the next letter of the ability you have. Okay. So the beginning of the game, when you've only got one or two letters, you're leveling up relatively quickly. But as the game goes on, you're leveling up more slowly right so it kind of there's uh it's both got that video game feel as the stronger you get the longer it takes you to get better but also it's sort of a catch-up mechanic uh built in for other people to play and then they have special abilities one a lot of the reviews i said said this game is obviously ripe for expansion yeah i wish which is no surprise yeah, it's Fantasy Flight. There's definitely going to be one, but you can see what they're talking about. I mean, there's room for more quests, more tiles, more gear, more cards that do stories, more just about everything in the game. While it, it's a complete game in the box, you can see room for expansion almost everywhere yeah. in a good way. So that was a big surprise for me, both in how much I enjoyed it and the fact that it came out. And my third surprise of the year was last Friday, the game you got me for Christmas in 2015. Yeah. We finally got to the table in October, and we spent a lot of time talking about it in the Halloween episode, so I'm not going to beat it to death, yeah. but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed last Friday. Yeah, I can't wait to do that one again. That was a blast. Okay, your biggest disappointment of the year. Okay, big disappointment this year. I, I'll be honest, I wasn't super disappointed with, with most of my gaming experiences this year. What I was disappointed either. with was just specific details about specific games. Mm-hmm. First of all, and we're going to talk about this in detail probably in a future episode so i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna beat it to death as, as right. in, in, to use your words uh, <laughs> it's the ashes expansions you and i both love ashes rise of the phoenix born we've talked about it yep. all the time um yep. but the frequency that plaid hat is pumping out these expansions is getting ridiculous we actually in the beginning of the year talked about how great it was going to be that they're limiting it yeah to six a year however and i'll let you talk about this since it was on your disappointment list however go for it they have released way more than six expansions and they're concentrated into the last what like since august so last that's the big thing for me year and yes um you know we i picked up the two big box expansions in august and i was like okay we're done for a while this is going to be great and then uh, Game Trade Magazine comes out and I'm doing the order for the store and I look up at my boss and I'm like, Mike, we've got like four Ashes expansions in the rest of the year? And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Because yeah. he had to order them for me and you and Eric and oh. and Joff. Eric and Joff and I have picked up our copies, but yours are still sitting on the shelf because you haven't had a chance to get to the store yet. And I love Ashes. We've talked about it to death and I have everything, but I might have to take a little break just yeah. because... I, and I mean, I guess the way it's built, if you don't buy them right away, it gives you the rest of the year to get to it. And yeah. I, I do see that. I could, I understand it from their point of view. But from my point of view, somebody who was playing that game frequently, trying to stay on top of it, it was big boxes. I got them in September. Then in October, there were two more that came out. Mm-hmm. Then in November, there were two more that came out. Mm-hmm. I was looking up the ones you had grabbed for me in the store when I saw that there were two more to be released. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, and I'm like okay, th- we need to hit the brakes on this. Like, Maybe it's not a lot, but when it's all at the end of the year mm-hmm. in the holiday season, when you're already spending a lot of money on other things for other people, it just seemed to... It's, it's the wrong thing at the wrong time. 
yeah, I felt like we both felt like we got Barry a little bit. Yep. Absolutely. If it does slow down, then maybe it gives you time to recoup. And I, I do see from their point of view, but I feel I think you and I both felt kind of just overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's exactly correct. And my other yeah. disappointment in, in a similar vein, you know, I've been playing Twilight Imperium since I, 2004. Like, mm-hmm. it, I've been playing that game forever. It's one of my favorites. It, it's a bigger one. It takes a. It's it's an all day commitment. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy the base game. I'm gonna buy one expansion, and we'll let that ride for a little while. And all of a sudden at Gen Con, here's Twilight Imperium Four, and I was like, oh god, okay, fine. Let me, I'll race to get that third expansion before it goes out of print. By the time I got home to the store, sold out at distributor level. So everybody scooped it up. And I was Ugh. like, are you joking? So now I got to go replace my Twilight Imperium set with a Twilight Imperium 4. What am I going to do with this Twilight Imperium 3 that's now kicking around? Right. So. And that, that's, a, that's a big money sink to just sort of. It's a huge sink. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going, to, not going to go into how huge the local money sink is. Um, right. But, like, I've got two sets of this massive game Massive now, game. And I'm like. One of them is just sitting in my basement. Yeah. And I'm probably just going to give it to, to a couple of our buddies because they, yeah. they're they twins. They have one copy of TI3. And I'm, eventually they're not going to be living together, I presume. So right. I'm now the other one has a copy, I guess. But it's still like I spent good money on that game. I'm, not, I'm getting a zero return on investment here. So it's once again, Fantasy Flight, get your act together. Yeah, that happened to me with Mansions of Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I had the base game and four expansions for it, and then here comes Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition with the app, which is just such a great... Uh, it is a superior game. Mm-hmm. I, I love my copy. It's still a good game. It doesn't diminish my game. Right. But I can't recommend somebody buy 1st Edition. No. Over sex. Same thing happened to Tom with Descent. He had literally everything for Descent version 1. Yep. Everything. Then Descent 2 came out. Yep. You know, and he got the the app that lets you upgrade the box of the upgrade kit yep. is what I'm trying yep. to say. But it's still like my version of Descent 2.0 is not. I mean, is is the better version? Yeah, it just is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so and in a way, sometimes you feel like as a board gamer, you kind of get punished for letting a game be successful, getting a game to that level where a second or third edition is required. Mm-hmm. And then they make these upgrades and now you almost feel like you've been punished in a way yeah. or left behind in a way yeah. because you were first on the boat. And that's always unfortunate. Yep. My biggest disappointment, let's just pick on Fantasy Flight some more. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so I was just kicking around on BGG and I realized, uh, you know what a big Battle Lore fan I am. Yeah. I have everything for battle or second edition all of it and i was looking i was like it's been like two years it's been a long time since they've come out with another edition or expansion i wonder if something came out and i just missed it Mm -hmm. and i looked and not only did i not miss it but apparently now Fantasy Flight hasn't officially declared battle or dead but the language being used is they're sort of putting their energy into the rune wars miniatures game Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look like we're going to get the elves in Battlelore, which was Ugh. everybody thought would be the fourth and final. Because we have the blue army, the red army, the undead purple army, and everybody thought the elves were going to be the green army. Because on the apps, there's four different color army Ugh. you can choose from. But there's no... It looks like 
while they haven't said it will never happen, it looks like the elves for battle lore have been shelved for now. Which is really disappointing because the base game came out, then there were blue and red expansions, then two sets for the purple. Mm -hmm. If they had done two sets for the green for the elves... Mm -hmm and never done anything else, I would have been happy. Yeah. But I really... Right now, you've got kind of two evil armies and one good army. And I thought the elves would have given a different play style for the good guys. It would have matched it two to two, even though you could still play them against each other. It just would have... I would have felt like those two elf sets would have made the game complete, and I wouldn't have needed anything else. But as it is, I have all of it. And there's this just sort of thing lingering over the air that's like, but there's supposed to be more, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a big disappointment, the fact that it looks like they've shelved that for now. Yeah, that's um, Another disappointment. My New Year's resolution was to play a bunch of, as far as board gaming, was to play a bunch of games. Yep. On my shelf that I hadn't played before, I did not meet that resolution at all. <laughs> uh, but I, one of the key games I wanted to get to the sh- table was Archipelago yep. because I've owned it for over two years. Still haven't played that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's it. And then my third disappointment was a game called Who Goes There. It's from Certifiable Studios. Okay. Who did a game we talked about on the show, uh, Endangered Orphans of. Condyle Cove. Yep. Oh, yeah, we like that one. Which I backed on Kickstarter and really like. The reason Who Goes There is essentially based on the book that inspired The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yep, yep. The book was Who Goes There. So they're basing this game on the the book. Big disappointment was that I really wanted to back this game, but the base game, it's, it says it's two to eight players. Yep. But the base game is $60, and it only comes with enough stuff for three or four players. Oh, gross. So you, so it's like Arkham Card Game, where you have to buy two sets, two base sets. <laughs> Here I am picking on Fantasy Flight again. Um, again? <laughs> well, but to get all of the characters, just the characters, it comes with extra stuff, but it would cost $99 plus shipping and handling on their Kickstarter. Ugh. And that's that's a lot yeah. for something I feel should be included in the base game. Yeah. All of your characters. To add an extra $40 just to play, be able to play the game fully? I don't know. I just It's like when video games do that DLC thing, yeah. and you don't get a complete game unless you do those microtransactions. Yeah. I feel like it, it leaves that bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Only this isn't micro. This is an extra 40 bucks just so you can play eight. At the same time, a game called The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31, came out this year. Mm-hmm. A four to eight player game instead of three to eight. Right now on Amazon, fifty one eighty five. The same game. You're in an output. I mean, the mechanics are different, right, but right. the thing has has miniatures. It's half the price, and it's just how could you back the Certifiable Studios game with the thing also on the market? Now, maybe the play is different enough that you could. And to to their credit, Certifiable Studios raised. I'm gonna look at it right now. Six hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Huh. Yeah, six thousand five hundred thirty-five backers. Pledge goal of fifty-four thousand. They raised six hundred twelve seven hundred and seventy-six dollars. Wow. Uh, six hundred thousand twelve. So I mean, they made money. Yeah, they made they money. Sure did. But I just I feel like how much of that is the nickel and dime thing, and I just it left a bad taste in my mouth, and I couldn't pull the trigger on it, and I really wanted to, but couldn't do it, and that was just. Dis-
Yeah, for sure. All right, so enough of this bad news. Yeah, let's end on something positive. Let's end on something positive. Let's, uh, let's, look let's ahead. keep this trend going. Looking ahead, what are you looking forward to? So I get, I, I'm going to call it now the low-hanging fruit for anybody who listens to this show. Obviously, I got to say Sentinels of the Multiverse Oblivion. Me too. It's on my list. Cannot wait to get my hands on that. I've played it once at Gen Con. It's an absolute ball. Yeah, cannot wait to see the final draft of that. I'm super excited about this game too. Tom got to see, I don't know if he got to demo it, but his friends did mm-hmm. at PAX Unplugged. He said it looked great. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. I'm, I'm up there with you. And it is at the printers. It is at the printers. time of recording. Yep. It's been a long time coming, but I'm super pumped for it. Yeah, for more information about that, uh, I'll, I'll give a little shout out to another podcast that I listen to, The Letters Page. Uh, it's Christopher and Adam talking about Sentinels. It's great. And those are the guys from Greater Than Games yes. who's publishing the game. Yep writer and illustrator my other big looking ahead thing uh i think i've mentioned it before secrets of the lost station it's a big board Mm. box full of crazy sort of space cthulhu awesomeness and i'm over the moon about it cannot wait for that to come out is this a spirit this is a spiritual successor to another game yes uh, secrets of the lost tomb yep and uh, alex and i played a bunch of that and i cannot wait. i still haven't got to play that one i mean between moving into a new house and then having a baby yep. and then having an insanely busy holiday season. Yep. I've got to play a bunch of games this year, but like I said, November, December, it just kind of slowed me down. Yeah, exactly. So I got to I got to hit 2018 hard. Yeah. And uh hit the ground running. What do you got? What are you looking forward to this year? Mine is a lot of uh a getting more games to the table. Yep. I think I'm just going to be able to in general. Like you, a lot of mine are Kickstarter games that mm-hmm. I backed. So Green Horde, I backed. Oh yeah. Uh, which is the an expansion to Zombie Side, but also a standalone game. Yep. Apparently, they're sending Wave One, which is just the base game, in January. Oh, sick! Which I didn't realize. So the all the extra special stuff, I probably won't be getting till June. That's their goal. Right, right. But I might have the base game. It sounds like I'm gonna have the base game in January. So I'm just gonna finish up Black Plague. I've got Wolfsburg. I'm gonna have Green Horde. I'm just gonna surround myself in minis. <laughs> die a happy man nice. <laughs> uh speaking of simon uh, i've got rising sun which is supposed to come in april that's another one of their games uh the spiritual successor to uh what's that game blood rage, blood rage yep samurai theme super pumped about that i've got M- morels foray the expansion to morels which i've talked about on the show before oh, yeah, i got that expansion in haven't had a chance to play it really looking forward to that but i've got dead man's doubloons coming in escape the dark castle uh so just Really looking forward to games I've already purchased. And then there's always surprises. Oh, absolutely. And that's the best part. Like, I, we go to PAX, we go to Gen Con. I can't wait to see what, what new stuff awaits us there. Like, it's always excitement. But don't forget, I mean, I've said this last year, but again, my New Year's resolution. Not just play games I haven't played before for 2018, mm-hmm. but get some games to the table that I have played before that I don't feel like I've played enough. Yes, absolutely. And and building off of that, my, my shelves, my brand new shelves that I tweeted out a picture of a few months ago are now full all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm going to call it right now. I'm going to make it my goal this year to get rid of some of the games that I don't oh, care about. That's such a hard thing to do. I think... I think that's a topic for another episode. I, I think that'd be a good topic. I agree with you. Because we have had conversations and we're going a little long on this one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we had a whole year to wrap up. Yep. We did. So, and getting back on track, back on track with releasing once a month too. That's that's another goal that I've got. Yeah, I, we, we're pretty good at that normally, but yeah. But, you know, things get in the way, and that's fine. For now, if you want to check out older episodes of this podcast, head on over to ghostshipradio.com and see some of our other work. Facebook.com forward slash another letdown is the place to be for that. Adjacent Hex is published monthly by Ghost Ship Radio and is produced by Another Letdown. 
If you have any feedback for us, you can reach us on Twitter. My name is at D-E-N-O-N-C-Z-D, and Doug is at I-T-S-O-K-T-O-L-A-F-F, and our hashtag is hashtag AdjacentHex. If you liked what you hear, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends on social media and in person. Also, make sure to drop by the Ghost Ship Radio website where you can find a link to our Patreon. If you have something a bit longer to say to us, feel free to send us an email at theadjacenthex at gmail.com. From all of us here at Adjacent Hex, happy gaming, and we will talk to you next month. Fireball Island. That sounds dangerous. So Fireball Island Mm -hmm. is this game where you, everybody plays an explorer, you go up the mountain, and you come back down the mountain, and you're trying to escape with the treasure, and fireballs knock you off and kill you. And you have to go back to these certain starting points. First board game I ever owned. I got a copy when I was four years old. It is the reason I learned to read. Well, one of them. I was kind of reading already, but I used to have to ask my friend's mom what my cards said. Yep. And he always knew it was in my hand, so I learned how to read my cards. Nice. And I just found out a couple weeks ago that a company called Restoration Games got the rights and is working on a revised edition. Sick being designed by Rob Davio, the guy who did all of the other games. All of the other games. Ah, okay. That's a that's a heck of a stinger. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> this show is part of the Ghost Ship Radio Network. For more information, go to ghostshipradio.com.